Good morning. It's good to be here with you this morning, especially this morning. My name is Cleopas. Oh, you can call me Cleo. You may have heard my story before. It's, it's, it's written in the book you have before you. Luke told it. And yet, this is a story I really wanted to come and tell you myself. It's a story of something that I, I didn't see, or actually, someone I didn't see. Oh, but I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Let me back up. We, were, we, were, uh, we, we wanted to get out of there as, as, um, after the events of that Friday. We wanted to leave Jerusalem as soon as we could. You see, we were there in Jerusalem for the Passover. And, and uh, we were followers of Jesus. We, we had um, known that, that, uh, that he was a, a, a teacher of God's word, a rabbi, yes, but more than that, a prophet. He was, he was, he was apparently sent from God, and, and we had been following him for many years. And, and now the entrance that he had received just those few days earlier as we... Uh, came into Jerusalem at the beginning of the week in anticipation of Passover. Many travelers were, were coming to Jerusalem, but when Jesus entered, all the crowds came around us in such a way. All the crowds acclaimed to him and who he was that we were sure that this Passover was going to be different. This Passover would be one to remember. This Passover, God was going to do something special this Passover was going, it, it made me think back to the original Passover, the exodus out of Egypt. It seemed that this was going to be the time when God was going to again redeem his people out of Gentile impression, oppression. That he would, he would deliver us from the Romans and he would bring in an age of, of God's blessing and prosperity. But it hadn't happened that way. In fact, it, it seemed that the Romans had triumphed and our hopes were trampled. You see, we, we, it, it began uh, there on a, a Friday when, when they... they well, after the events of the Friday, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to those. But after that Friday, we would have liked to have, have fled from Jerusalem as quickly as we could. But, but by the end of the day, in the late events, it was already nearly evening. Darkness was descending inside as well as out. And we had a seven-mile journey back to our home, and so we would need to wait. Well, the next day was the Sabbath. A Saturday, and you couldn't travel more than just out to the Mount of Olives and back on a Sabbath day's journey. And so, again, with seven miles to travel home to our small village of Emmaus, we needed to wait. So again, we sat there waiting, doing nothing, hiding in, in fear and disappointment. Finally, Sunday came. Well, there was some commotion in the morning. Get to that too, I suppose. But, but finally about midday, we're able to take our leave. 
and we start off. It's springtime. We didn't hear the birds singing. We didn't notice the, the fresh new life of the lilies that were poking up from last fall's dead leaves. No. It was with dragging feet under dreary skies that we started out. And as we walked, we were talking back and forth among ourselves, still trying to figure it out, still trying to make sense, some sense, out of what had happened. And as we're talking, we never saw the stranger coming up behind us, walking faster as if he intended to catch up to us. We're walking along, and he come, and I don't even know how, how long he was beside us there as we walked and as we talked, so engrossed were we together. And finally, he, he spoke a word of greeting. We greeted in reply, shalom, shalom, peace. But there was no peace. And he, he, he says to us, I don't know how long you've been listening, because he says, what is this that you are talking about among yourselves? as you were walking and you seemed so down. Have you ever had one of those times where you, you wanted to talk about it, but you don't want to talk about it? Yet there was something about this stranger that I wanted to open my heart, and yet I was guarded. These were now dangerous times for those who had followed Jesus. And so I, I thought I would pursue him a little bit. I said, are you the only traveler, the only pilgrim in all of Jerusalem that doesn't know all these things that have happened these last several days? And he says, and thinking back, it was kind of a strange reply. He says, which things? Oh, you, you've got to be kidding. Well, the things of Jesus of Nazareth. Like, where have you been? Where do I start? Well, it all began back in, back in Galilee. You know, there he was. He was, a, he was a, 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 a prophet, mighty before God and all the people. It was a wonderful time. He was teaching us the scriptures in ways that we'd never heard them before. And, and he was healing the sick. The lame were walking. The poor had the gospel of God's kingdom preached to them. Lepers were cleansed. The blind were, could see again. And, and a couple of times even, a couple of times here and there, someone was even raised from the dead. Oh, it was a glorious time. You know, it was as we watched this great prophet and, and there were, now and again, there were some, some conflicts. Now and again, the, the, the um, rulers and the chief priests and the Pharisees, they would come up against them. And it was, it was, it was almost like Psalm 2 where it says, all oh, the rulers rage against the Lord and against his anointed. But the God in heaven laughs. And it was as if God was laughing at their feeble attempts to trap him or to stop him. They couldn't catch him, ever. He was always ahead of them. And so we were convinced 
could this be the Christ? Could he be the Messiah? Could he be the one who would deliver all of Israel? We were certain of it. And yet, when we came into Jerusalem, again, the chief priests and the rulers and the scribes, they, they did plot and scheme, and they had him arrested, and they handed him over to the Romans to be condemned and to be crucified. We thought he was going to redeem Israel. But now he's dead. He's gone. <sighs> Trying to make sense out of that, the, um, wrapped him quickly, the disciples, his, some of his followers put him quickly in a tomb and we waited through that Sabbath day we, we hoped, even in the midst of despair, maybe, maybe he didn't really die. Maybe in the coolness of the tomb he would somehow revive. But it's already the third day since these things have happened. And this morning, just this morning, some of the women from among us, they went early in the morning to the tomb. Now the Sabbath was over. Now they could finish the work of preparing his body for burial. And so they go to his tomb and they, they come back to us with a fantastic story. They tell us that they got there and the, and the stone, the huge stone that, that, that closed off the tomb had already been rolled out of the way and the tomb stood open. And they said that his body was gone. And then they told us this, this, this fantastic story about how, how they, they had seen angels. Angels. That, that these angels had said to them that, that Jesus was alive. You know how emotional women can be sometimes. <sighs> so we, we, we need to send some men to find out what had really happened. And so Peter and John, they ran out to the tomb. What had gone on there? And, and well, they found things as the, as the, as the women had described. The, 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 the tomb was open. They found the cloth that we had so quickly wrapped his body in after his death. But his body was gone. It was as if not, it wasn't enough for them to kill him. It wasn't enough for him to dash our hopes and to take him away in death. But now they've stolen away the body as well. We don't even have a, a, a graveside to grieve at. It was at this point that the, the stranger is like he, he couldn't listen anymore. He, just, he, he had to cut in there and he interrupted. And he said, oh, you who are, you are so slow to, to, you don't even see what's right in front of you. Why are you so slow of heart to believe in all that the scriptures have said. What does he mean? We don't see what's right in front of us. What does he mean? Us, slow of heart to believe. We have believed. We had believed. We had believed and followed him for three years. We believed that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. We believed that he was going to bring in God's blessing, that he was the king, the Christ, our Messiah. 
but it hasn't happened. It didn't turn out the way that we had believed. The one who was to be the Messiah is now dead and gone. And then he, he seemed to back a little bit and, and ask us a question instead. He said, Did, don't the scriptures say that first the Christ must suffer these things and then enter into his glory? What do you mean? What are you talking about? We don't see it. How could he enter into glory after he's dead and gone? And so he began to talk to us from the scriptures. He began to show us familiar scenes, but as if we had never seen them before. First he started with with Adam and Eve back at the garden, the original fall, the original curse. In fact, as God is proclaiming that curse, he reminded us that God said something else, that God said that there would be a son, a unique son born to the woman. And that even though that same serpent would wound his heel, this son would crush that serpent's head. He reminded us that there in the midst of the curse that an innocent animal had been slain, the first sacrifice in order to provide a covering for their guilt. He took us from there to the rest of the Old Testament. He, 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 he led us into to the story of Abraham and Isaac and how Abraham had believed that God, if he needed to, that God could even raise up his son from the dead in order to fulfill his promises. He reminded us that Abraham himself had said that God would provide himself a lamb for the sacrifice. Speaking of sacrifices, he told us about all those Old Testament sacrifices, one after another that the Scripture called for, required, and described. That these sacrifices, day after day and year after year, that these sacrifices pointed out our need for a substitute, pointed out the penalty of sin, which was death. And yet, those sacrifices, he said, couldn't take away sin. Because if they could take away sin, if they could solve the problem, then why did the same sacrifices have to be repeated over and over and over again? Well, it's a, it's a good question. He took us from there, from the book of Moses into the prophets. He said that didn't they testify of these things? Didn't Isaiah describe the days coming when God's king would deliver Israel? Oh yeah, we were looking for that. That's what we saw. That's what we expected. But he told us more. He said, didn't Isaiah also say, that he would be a man of sorrows. This servant, this Messiah, he would be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That he would be bruised for our sins. He would be crushed for our iniquities. That chastisement for our peace would fall upon him. That by his stripes we would be healed. That's the Messiah that he would be crushed even in death. But wait, if that was true of Messiah, if Isaiah had said those things too, how could it be? How could it be that that Messiah could then then reign as king over God's kingdom forever? How could it be that if he would die 
because of our sins, how could it be that he would then rule and reign and bring in the blessings of God's kingdom on earth? I don't see it. I don't see how that could be. But he went on to say, well, Isaiah said it this way. That Isaiah said that it pleased God even to crush him for our sin because after doing so, he would show him the result of his life. He would show him the result in that he would make many people righteous. How do you show him that after he's dead? He said that Isaiah himself had predicted that he would also reign as king, that God would prolong his days. He said, you want to know prophecy? You know the book of Daniel. He took us to the timeline of Daniel, and Daniel had a prophecy of 70 weeks. The, this is what it would take, Daniel had told us, in order for God to put an end to sin and to bring in, with an end of sin, everlasting righteousness. He said, in the middle of that plan, didn't Daniel himself say that the Messiah would be cut off? The Messiah would be cut off, and yet the Messiah would reign as king, and his kingdom would have no end. It seems like there was more to the story than we had seen. He took us all the way through the scriptures, all the way to Zechariah at the end. He said, didn't Zechariah say that he would pour out his spirit upon his people, and then they would look on him whom they pierced. They would look on him whom they had pierced, and they would mourn for him in death, as one mourns for an only son. And yet, God would make him, this one whom they mourned for, that God would make him king. Didn't Zechariah say that strike down the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered and here where we, we were scattering away from Jerusalem. And yet after that, God's king would, would bring all nations to come and worship him at that same Jerusalem. Oh, there was more to this story. This story that was bigger than we had seen before. There was more here. How did we overlook these things? Oh, this was, a, this was a, a survey of the scriptures like we never heard before. And we didn't want it to end, but we looked up and time had flown by. We were almost at our destination. Emmaus, the village, was just ahead of us. This was our home. And yet, our, the stranger, we... We still didn't know his name. He, he, he acted as if he was just going to keep walking along. We'd already come seven miles, but we knew there wasn't another village for a while after Emmaus. So we said, no, 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 don't keep going. It's almost nighttime now. It's not safe to be on the road at, at, in the dark like that. And, and you know, stay with us for the night. And besides, we wanted to hear more. It's true, it was about supper time. But his words had been as food for our souls. And so he came in with us into our home, and we, we uh, sat down to the table, and I, I asked him if he would ask the blessing, because he was obviously some sort of rabbi of some kind. And so as he blessed the bread, my mind went back to several years earlier when we were there on the mountain in Galilee and where there were 5,000 that were seated around on the ground that we were supposed to feed and, and we had just 
a few loaves. And Jesus took them and blessed them and gave them to us to give to all of those people. And we did. And it was then, after that miracle of Jesus, that, that Peter, for the first time, had declared in faith that you, Jesus, are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it was then, it was then that, that Jesus had first warned us in respond to that, response to that declaration. He said, yes, God has shown you that, Peter. But he said, he warned us, the Messiah must suffer many things and be rejected by the chief priests and rulers and scribes and be killed and on the third day rise again. That's when Jesus had first told us that. And then as he was, as he was giving the bread to us, it reminded me, my mind went from there to another time when Jesus had blessed the bread and, and, and broken, gave it to us at the Passover dinner just a few days earlier, earlier the same week. And, and as he'd done that, he said, this is my body given for you. And it was as my mind snaps back to the present. And as he's reaching out his hands, extending the bread to us on each side of him, that we looked and we saw right there in his wrist where the scars, where the nails would have been. It was right then, it was at that moment that our eyes were opened. It was at that moment that we saw it clearly for the first time. This was Jesus Jesus was risen. Here he was, right in our midst. And just as we saw it, just as we saw him, he was gone. What do we do now? What do we do now? Everything has changed. Everything is different. We've got to tell the others. Peter, James, John, they don't know yet. We've got to go. And Thomas, Thomas, he'll never believe this. We've got to go and tell them. And so we got up right away, and our feet may have drug over that. As we left Jerusalem, our feet might have been dragging in the dust, but I tell you what, they flew over that road all the way back to Jerusalem. <coughs> talk, about, talk about a second wind. And, and, and we got there, and we, we came to the others, and we... And we told them, it's just as the women had said. And, and as, as Peter now had heard as well, and Peter had met the Lord, and we told them, Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Oh, my. You know, you, you, I look out among you, and I see some of the, some of the expressions on your face that, that looked like my expression at, at various times along that day. Some of you may have come here this morning to hear my story, but you came that you'd heard something about Jesus before. You had heard that, yes, Jesus had lived, that he was good, that Jesus had died, and that some even believed that that Jesus had risen from the dead. But you really hadn't seen any of that for yourself. You didn't know what to make of what it was that others believed, but it didn't seem to change anything for you. Well, I tell you what, Jesus is risen, 
And that changes everything for you. Jesus has risen and and rising from the dead. He has given God's gift of eternal life to everyone who would receive it by believing Him. That could be God's gift of eternal life to you this morning as well. You know, it may be that you came this morning feeling a lot like us on that road to Emmaus. Just like us, you had followed Jesus. You have believed in him, certain of who he was, and, and followed faithfully along for, oh, for several years maybe. And yet, the troubles of life seem to have overshadowed the promises of God. And it's gotten to the point as life has come crashing down around you in one circumstance or another, that you wonder at this point what really is true. You, you're not sure just what you really believe anymore. And even if that's true concerning God and his kingdom, one day it doesn't seem to make a difference anymore today. Well, I tell you what, for us in that day, we met the risen Savior. We saw that not only had he died for us, but that he was living. He wasn't going to live. He wasn't going to come. He did live and he had come. And on that lonely road, he saw us. And I'm telling you this morning that somewhere between where you are now and Emmaus, there's a stranger who wants to walk with you, a stranger you need to meet, one you need to see, even if it's for the very first time, Or maybe it's just to have the lenses cleaned and to see him a little more clearly. Because who our Jesus, not was, but is, changes everything. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. That's my story. I hope this morning it will be your story as well.